Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Good morning, guys. And I think I have to say, Happy New Year. First Sunday of the year, amazing, exciting year ahead. Um, so I just want to say the richest blessings uh, are yours this year. Every year is a year of the Lord's favor. Receive His favor even now, this morning. This is your year. Grab it by the scruff <laughs> of the neck uh, because it's a year of God's favor. Before I carry on, I just want to uh, first see if there are any uh, visitors with us this morning. Uh, if you're here for the first time, won't you just wave a hand so we can welcome you here this morning? Anybody here for the first time? Yeah, thank you. Welcome. Anybody else? Thank you. Welcome, guys. Uh, good to have you with us this morning. Please don't rush off after the meeting. Um, there are some guys who will meet you right over here where that, those orange couches are. And you're going to get some free cappuccino coffee, and they're going to sit and have a chat with you. So don't run away. Um, no coffee? Oh, no. Okay, all right. We'll forgive you. We'll forgive you. It's all right. Um, great. Well, yeah, I'm really excited this morning. Um, I've got the opportunity uh, on the 17th of December to, to also share a bit on discipling. So this morning is basically a continuation uh, from where I kind of left off. I'm just going to recap a little bit from the last uh, from the last preach. But um, before I start, I want to I want to do something. I, I felt I heard clearly from God about this year for Highway Church, and I know I'm right because actually this morning when Donna was testifying and just what's been going on over the last few weeks. It's already happening and God's doing it. And I want to declare this year of 2018 a year of re-envisioning, a year of re-equipping, and a year of recommissioning for Highway Church. And I see the re-envisioning is already happening. God, God, what, what God does when He re-envisions, He, He takes our hearts and He recalibrates them. Um, and He realigns them with his heart, so that once again we can resonate with the things that he's passionate about. And he's obviously always passionate about people. And we can see how passionate the guys have been over the last few weeks with how much they've just put in and prepared and just been there for the lost, be there for people that are homeless. That's a heart that God loves. It's already happening, guys. This whole thing of discipleship and caring for people. God has already kicked off this year <clears throat> in an amazing way, showing us that He's with us, that He's recalibrating hearts. People are getting a heart for His people, and they are coming. As Donna said, she didn't have to look for anybody. The guys were just yeah, and as many as we need, God will send, and we have the opportunity to begin touching our city and our nation. So I'm really excited, a year of re-envisioning and re-equipping and recommissioning. 
for Highway Church. Um, this, this morning, this word is about preparation for building a discipleship culture in Highway Church in 2018. So thanks to Steve and Jan, I've got the privilege of preaching um, on preparation of building a discipleship culture. And um, I just want to recap a little bit before, you know, before I go on to the new things I have to say. And, um, but I want to say that as, as one of the leaders at Highway, I mean, we are all so excited uh, about discipleship. Um, it's not just a mission that we, we want to grab hold of for 2018, but we want it to be an ongoing focus every day every month, every year, from here on out to eternity. Because it's the thing that Jesus most commanded and commissioned us to do, was to go and make disciples of all nations. And, um, and in doing so, we ourselves are totally enriched in every way. When we give of ourselves, we receive in such abundance in every possible way. And so... Um, yeah, we're really excited about, about this year. Uh, Matthew 28 verse 18 to 20 is going to be the foundational scripture that's going to catapult us into an amazing year of just giving ourselves once again to the people that God wants us to touch. Amen. Oh, I think there were only like, how many? Two or three amens there. Anyway. So, um, yeah. There was that pamphlet that Steve put out. Uh, I didn't see any one of them over there. but um, So I, I can't wave it in front of you. But I can say that that pamphlet I think everybody's seen. And um, if we take a look at that, we'll see there that he's put down a definition of discipleship. Uh, the definition is a disciple is someone who follows Jesus, fellowships with believers, and fishes for men. And every disciple makes disciples. So now, today I want to go a bit deeper um, than the different definition. I want to talk about the why discipleship. Because discipleship is not just a new fad or our New Year's resolution, which we have to try and like, crank ourselves up to do. And then, you know, we fail and it just goes kathunk. It's not a New Year's resolution. Um, And that's why we need something far more substantial to sustain a culture of discipleship in our our personal lives and and in Highway Church. And I felt that the main things that we need were in our hearts, okay? It's about our heart attitude. And... It's about Jesus recalibrating our hearts to, to come into absolute resonance with his heart. And so I felt that it was preparing our hearts. Um, and there were two ways that I felt we needed to prepare our hearts for, for discipleship. The first one was a rekindling or re-impassioning or re-envisioning our hearts. For Jesus, our first love, the love of our lives and the lover of our soul. Just a rekindling. We love Jesus, but we want to burn hot. <laughs> we want to fan the flames on those coals of our love for Jesus. And there are certain things I'm going to talk about that 
I believe, will help us to rekindle and, and to fan those flames, um, the flames of the love for our Savior. And then the, the next thing was, I felt we need to do to prepare was to make space in our heart for the people that God is going to send us. We need to prepare our hearts. We need to spiritually and emotionally make space in our heart and expect the, the, the people that God is going to send our way. Because if God sends people but we've got no space for them and we've got these walls around us and we're totally cluttered up, we're not going to see the opportunities. We're not going to have the capacity to, to walk with them, to love them, to, to, to bear the pain with them. We need to, to, to actually make space in our hearts. So God, send, send me these people. I, I want to, I want to love your people. I want to give myself for your people. Amen. So we'll go into that along the way. Um, but first of all, just to, to uh, recap, I believe the end purpose of discipleship from God's perspective is really important for us to, to get a handle on. And I felt the three main purposes of God for discipleship uh, were firstly um, for us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Okay, uh, In Romans 12 verse 2, Paul says, Be ye transformed by the renewing of of your minds, and then you will able to be to approve um, God's. Um, you'll be able to test and approve God's perfect will for your life. So, uh, just to be clear, there spiritually, when we were reborn and recreated in Christ Jesus uh, um, through the power of the Holy Spirit, everything was sorted and done and dusted. Spiritually, we. There's nothing more that needs to be done. Spiritually, we are, we are there. We are seated with Jesus. But these things here, and our emotions and stuff, they still have to be sorted out. And one day, we will have our glorious body like Jesus had that can walk through walls and uh, with fish and all that. But, but we, our minds need to be transformed and renewed. And um, so it's an ongoing process. And it doesn't end, actually, in our lifetime. <laughs> Um, I don't want to discourage you, but it's an ongoing process until we see Jesus. And the second thing that God wants uh, out of the, the whole thing of discipling is that we would live transcending lives that reflect His goodness, that model kingdom values, lives that are so attractive to the unsaved that they would be want, that they'd want to be reconciled to God and become committed followers of Jesus. Attractive lives. Modeling kingdom culture. Modeling and a channel for the love of God that people of the world uh, will recognize as something unique and something that is, that is so valuable. And they'll want it so desperately. That's what, what they're looking for right now. But they're not finding it much because there are not many of us who are living the life and actually have the capacity to to really have open hearts and encouraging ourselves as a church to go and do these things. Because what actually happens is a culture of self-preservation shuts us down. It becomes all about uh, putting bread on the table, about 
the things that I need to do. And it's the small, insignificant things that shout and scream at us and, and demand our focus and our attention. And the important things in life, they just seem to slip by. But it's up to us to, to um, fight to lose our lives. It's a fight to lose our lives. It's a fight to say, no, that's not what's important. What is important is God first. Seek first His kingdom. The third thing is that we would be overcomers in Christ Jesus. Um, there are no less than seven scriptures on the amazing rewards for those who overcome. Uh, they're all in Revelations, and I've just chosen one to put up and uh, to go through with you. It's Revelations 3, verse 11 and 12. Ash, could you put that up, please? By the way, before I carry on, I'd like to, you know, the, gu- the guys, the sound guys and the um, overhead guys barely get recognition, and I'd like to just say thanks to, to Steve and Ash. Uh, you guys are amazing. <laughs> Behind the scenes, just, yeah, you're such a blessing, eh? Uh, we love you guys, eh? Okay, so here we are uh, from 3.11. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. You have a crown. Okay, next one. The one who, the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Now guys, if you read the other seven scriptures, they're also all mind-blowing. It's amazing. It's unbelievable, really. And it's like, hey God, I desperately, I want that. I want. I don't exactly know what it means. I'm not fully, you know, like when I read it, it just sounds magnificent. And I, I can't quite comprehend because there's still a lot of mystery there that hasn't been revealed. But my heart is leaping. My heart is shouting and screaming and going, yeah! And I want that. It, and it's, it's something that either we really desire with all our hearts or it's something that we'll just read and it'll just go right over us. But God loves it when we defeat His enemies. When we, when we enforce the victory that Jesus has already won on the cross for us. Our dad loves that. He loves to see that. So guys, are you with me? Okay, you're all very, very quiet out there. You're obviously contemplating all these marvelous, profound things. Um, Okay, so the next thing I want to talk about is uh, the journey of discipleship. Discipleship is a journey. Uh, it starts with being a believer, a follower, and then an overcomer. Uh, that's, that is the order. Some people are believers, but they never become followers and overcomers. Other people are believers and follow to some extent, but never become overcomers. And there are others who, who stay the course and who win the crown. And on this journey, the question is, how can we fully cooperate and assist and work with God uh, along the way to ensure that His amazing purposes for our lives are fulfilled? 
We know that one of the keys is this scripture which says, Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these other things will be added thereto. Matthew 6 verse 33. And this needs to be our default setting. That whenever there's a choice, and we heard um, somebody saying earlier that, I think it might have been Bill, that, that, that always chooses Jesus first, always chooses the kingdom. And sometimes it's come a bit close, but he, he, he still won the battle of choosing. And every day we have so many of these choices to make. And the important thing is that we choose Jesus first. It's not something we can crank ourselves up to do. It's something that we, we need to choose to do by positioning ourselves, by encouraging ourselves, by helping uh, and giving God the opportunity uh, through being in His presence uh, every day. To, to spend time with God, to rekindle our hearts so that our hearts are burning hot, to, to um, appreciate the pool of great price and the treasure in the field, to fully understand the, the high value of the kingdom of heaven to such an extent that our default mode is reset and that it never goes out of sync again. And that our default mode is to always choose him first because the promise here is that when we do choose him all the other things that we know we need that we have to have we we will the promises we'll get those as well but when we are consumed with self-preservation unfortunately what happens we become so focused it sacks the life out of us and and we miss out on the things of god and we might be able to put the bread on the table but actually becomes Boring and mundane. And we miss out on all the things that God wants. So, our default mode and our, our, our value system is so important. What do we value? What, what is the most valuable thing that we have? Is it our bank account? Or is it Jesus? Is Jesus uh, the focus and the center point of our life? Is everything revolve around Jesus? Or is Jesus just one of the things that dotted around the sphere of other things? That we, we do love him and acknowledge him, but actually he's just one of those things. He's not the ultimate thing. He's not the focal point. He's not the absolute center and the core of our lives. And the choice for us is to put Jesus in the center and make him the core of everything that we do. The reason for everything that we do is because we love Jesus. So, and it's, so it, it's difficult because it's not something that you can just go pay somewhere and say, oh, you know, I've subscribed. Okay, <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> it, it takes us to choose and, and to to encourage ourselves and to, to, to ensure that we are in His presence, that we seek Him with all our hearts, that we, that we blow hot is our, is our choice, is our responsibility. Because God always makes the first step. He's made it. He's done it. 
And he's already made the first step. And whatever else we have to do is a response from our side. Anytime we want to, we're able to enter his presence. Anytime we want to, we can have sweet fellowship with God. Uh, David was crying out in, uh, in, in the psalm, um, 42 verse 1 and 2. He said, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with him? A desperate cry from his heart. Yet for us, <laughs> we're so blessed. Because through the precious blood of Jesus, we have an open door and an open access right into the glory realm, right into the throne room of God at any time. The blood of Jesus. Here David is, God, when? I'm so desperate. I need you. I'm dry. I feel like a piece of biltong. When? And for David, he had to wait for windows of the Holy Spirit because basically the blood of Jesus wasn't opening the way at the point. It was before Jesus went to the cross. But we, sitting on this side of the cross, are so blessed that we can go into his presence at any time. We can have sweet fellowship with him. And friends, in his presence, there is fullness of joy and pleasure for any, forevermore. In his presence, everything happens so naturally. Everything happens so wonderfully. We are ransomed, we healed. Restored, forgiven to the precious blood of Jesus. I've seen so many miracles of people who were under such bondage and tried everything, prayer, whatever, you name it, you name it. But just happened to be in a meeting where the glory came and boom, just like that, set free, totally free. Only things that the Holy Spirit can do. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's when we look to Jesus. When we look to Jesus, the veils are lifted. And as we see Him, as in a mirror, we see ourselves. And we go from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. There's no way that we are not transformed. There's no way that we... Do not become more like God when we spend time in His presence. The more time we spend in the presence of God, the more we know how much He loves us, the more we understand the power of His love, what He did for us, and the more we are transformed through the power of His love. And so, it's a good start to, to rekindle our hearts. Spend time corporately, individually, in the presence of the great King. Uh, we can go to the mercy seat anytime we want and receive anything that we want. So I went off track a little bit there, but I'm uh, sure I can get back on. So we were talking about rekindling and if we look at the, the parable of the pearls, um, I'm just going just gonna to read them quickly. I'm not going to go into immense detail, but I'm trusting as I read them that God will, will speak to you. And 
that, that, that something in your heart will be reignited. Because this, these scriptures are talking, uh, Jesus is giving these parables and talking about these parables. And he's giving us the key to the hidden treasure and the pearl. He's, he's, he's telling us stuff that is so important for, for us to, to get our hearts to understand the value of what He has achieved for us, what God has in store for us, what God wants to do for us, is more important than anything. It's so important that they went and sold absolutely everything they had to buy the field. So let me read it quickly. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had, and he bought it. And so I see there in these two parables, there's just a few things that come to light. The first thing is that these, these two men were diligently seeking. They were seeking, seeking, seeking. Um, you can't just walk across and stumble across a treasure in a field unless you're looking for it. Um, this pearl of great price, he, he probably, this guy probably went around for years looking for this special pearl. Diligently seeking. Then the next thing that happened was they discerned the value of the treasure and the pearl. They were able to, to understand like, wow! Wow! Oh my gosh! Oh! oh what have I, what have I found here? They were able to discern it. Others, others wouldn't be able to. And then they made the choice to go and sell everything to come and buy their field. So we know it says that, that God says, listen, when um, asking you receive, seek and you will find. Knock on the door will be open. To everyone, to everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks Find, and to him who knocks, the door will be open. And for us, rekindling our hearts is about, is about seeking, diligently seeking after God, diligently chasing after God, diligently grabbing everything that God has for us, wanting to get the last job out, not wanting to miss anything. And we see here how these men and their diligent seeking they gave God the opportunity because it was a promise that if you diligently seek, I will open. I will show you. And then they did only what man can do, diligently seek. God then came and did what only God can do. And he revealed himself to them. He is the treasure. And it's called revelation knowledge. And only God can give it to us. We can't just go get it. Uh, but when we do certain things, we unlock uh, and give God the opportunity to then respond. And God always responds. And then lastly, we see that um, they went and sold everything and bought the pearl and they bought the treasure. And once again, that's not something that God can do. Say, so, hey, listen, you know, you saw how amazing this treasure. Now you guys sell it. No, they were so excited. They were so consumed and overjoyed that they went and decided to sell everything. It was their choice. And 
coming by the pool and the treasure. And so I want to say to you friends this morning, I want to encourage you to rediscover the pearl of great price. I want to encourage you to go dig in the field again and go dig up that treasure and go look at all the garnets and the, and the crown jewels and the, the, the chest full of the most valuable treasure that you will ever find. And in that way, see, and you'll find. God will pour fresh revelation, fresh vision over you. And you'll be once again passionately excited about the unbelievable value of the kingdom of heaven. Are we okay? Wonderful. Okay, so... I just want to talk a bit about, uh, okay, so I've spoken about how I feel we can re- rekindle and recalibrate and realign our hearts. It's our choice. It's up to us to push into God, to push into Jesus, to get, to get back into a place where, where we're burning hot in that brass. <laughs> we are cold and then we're burning hot. It's our responsibility to do that. And it's not difficult. God, the, the door is always open at any time. We just need to make a choice to actually want to spend the time and want to uh, revisit the treasures of heaven. So I'm going to go on now and just talk a bit about um, the choices that we make and how we can make space in our hearts for people. How, how can we make space to receive uh, people? Um, it's something that, that we need to do. Because, as I said, God has made the first step. He's always gone and gone before us and done the first thing. He's always initiated. And we just need to then see what choices we can make um, to tap in and to get our hearts to the place where God wants them to be. So I just want to talk a bit about practical discipling and some experiences that we've had in our lives uh, with regard to discipling and being and being discipled as well. Um, so our choices are determined by our value system. What determines our value system? That's a question. What determines our value system? Because our choices are determined by what we value. The things that we value the most, those are the things that we'll choose for every single day. And the things that we don't value the most, we won't choose for them. Recently, somebody paid 450 million US dollars for Da Vinci's painting of Christ the Savior. Do you know about that? 450 million. Whoa, that is a lot of money to pay for a painting. Obviously, the person that bought it valued it at that value. Everybody else is going, oh, geez, it's just a painting. You know, what, what do we know? We're not artists. But to them, it was worth almost half a billion dollars. So the way that we make disciples is by modeling a real and authentic Christian lifestyles in our daily life. As we go, we model. 
and put into practice everything that Jesus has taught us through revelation and through the leading of the Holy Spirit. When we do this, we overflow with the life of God and touch people wherever we go. People seeking God will know that this is the authentic life that they've been searching for and they will want to follow us to find the source. Then we lead them straight to Jesus for an encounter of the first kind. Making disciples is more about love, friendship, and modeling than anything else. We see how effectively Jesus demonstrated this by spending every waking and sleeping minute with his disciples. He loved them all with a passion. Yes, he did also teach them, but he then spent loads of time sitting with them and explaining the parables, helping them and encouraging them to put what he had taught them into practice, to become doers of the word and not just hearers. And so, just a bit of experience from, from our side um, in terms of discipling. We've had some hard but painful uh, experiences discipling people. Uh, when I say we, I'm talking about Joe and myself. I mean, we did one stint uh, of, for seven years of doing Alpha three times a year. And I think we had like 60-odd people every Alpha. Um, and I think Bill and Sheila know about that and and those were really the, the, the years that we grew and mushroomed like unbelievably because we, we had all these people getting saved with all their problems and, and all their hassles and everything that goes with it. And it was really, really wonderful on the one hand seeing so many people coming to Jesus, giving their lives to Jesus, coming from alcoholism, coming from drug addiction, coming from wherever. And the power of God just tapping people, especially on uh, Saturday nights, you know, um, when we have our weekend away. As you know, at Alpha, you have your weekend away. And on that weekend away, in the evening, we have a ministry session. And, oh, wow, it was just always so amazing um, what God did. But then afterwards, we, 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 we had to watch these people being renewed and just being transformed and actually lives being turned upside down. Alcoholics broken free and stuff. And then some of them, a lot of them, stayed the course. And today we can say that they're walking with Jesus. But a lot of the others um, went back to, to alcoholism. We had one person particularly that committed suicide. Um, it broke us, really. It was, it was unbelievable. We had some young guys who were drug addicts that got delivered, um, but they went back onto drugs. And one, one young man in particular um, that actually died of an overdose. And it all came through. There were many people. But I can say this, that looking back, we wouldn't change it for anything. There was such a love, not just in us, but in our church and in our home groups. Everyone was just was like, like the feeding thing that's, that's happening over the last few weeks. The whole, church, the whole church was involved. Everybody was just being a blessing and they were receiving. And, and there was a love. There was such a vibrance. But there's also the pain of where People don't come through, and where you expect them to, 
to carry on. And, and so when that happens, you have to go to God and say, God, help me, just help me to, to get over the hurt and the pain. Give me the grace to just, uh, let this, let this experience just be something that fades and the pain. Let it fade. And then, just quickly, um, a personal experience of, of, uh, of my testimony, um, and those who walked with me, my personal testimony. Um, I just want to quickly go through that with you. Um, I was saved in Nelspade in May 88, and Joe was saved a little bit later, uh, a couple of years later. I remember it was a seriously difficult time for us. Our children were small. We were facing difficulties financially and in many other areas of our lives. I was really in a hard place and never knew which way to turn. I was crying out to God, but not quite knowing how to encounter God. There were two guys from a local charismatic church who took time out to befriend me. They spent hours and hours talking through stuff with me. I had never encountered such love and care and commitment. I was, I was really so deeply impacted by their care. And, and it began churning in my heart. And, and, and it brought me to a place of faith. Faith to believe in the goodness of an amazing God who loved me so much that He sent His one and only Son to save me. And one morning at around 2 o'clock in the morning, I remember I woke up with such a huge burden on my heart. And I made a choice all on my own. I remember closing the bedroom door, walking through to the lounge. I knelt down before this sofa with big arms and I just buried my head down in the pillow. And uh, I, 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 just, I, just began, I just began to weep. I just wept and I wept and I wept. Um, I asked God for forgiveness. I gave my heart to Jesus. I asked Him to come into my life and I immediately felt the power of God come over me. His love flooding through me, every burden lifting, uh, falling off my shoulders. I felt it was like from dense darkness to the bright sunlight, like someone had flipped the switch. And in that instance, I, I was radically transformed forever through the power of His amazing love for me. Oh, joy of joys, I found the treasure, I found the pearl uh, of great price. And it had turned my life upside down it turned my entire value system upside down. And I began to do some radical stuff, like almost immediately, asked Jolene. I, um, you know, some of the stuff was a bit off the wall, like I immediately went and cancelled my, my life insurance policy because God was my life insurance, you know. And then I, I also cancelled my medical aid because God is my healer, you know. And please don't go and do this stuff, okay? Um, and I remember Joe. <laughs> On the phone to her mom. She was like, Whoa! And she was like, I heard her. She didn't know I was listening. She was on the phone. She's like, Mom, and I don't know what to do. Yeah, and you know what? He cancelled our life insurance policy. He says God is his insurance. And you know what? He cancelled, he, he cancelled our, um, our medical aid. He said God is his healer. And she was going, Oh. And then, then she, I heard her also say, And he won't let the kids watch the Ninja Turtles. And he thinks that Skeletor is evil. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but so, but there were also some, 
really amazing things that, uh, and it was truly awesome. And I, I stopped smoking. I chucked out any rubbish literature. Uh, I rearranged all my priorities. God became first. Family was second. Other people third. And my business and money was really became lost. And uh, I began doing some powerful spiritual stuff as well. And I thank God for turning my life upside down, for rearranging my value system so well that it hasn't changed in the last 30 years. God did a good job. I'm so glad about that. I also thank God for Dean and Daryl. Uh, Daryl is still one of my very best friends from Nelspreet, and uh, there have been many other people who have walked with me along this journey since I got saved 30 years ago, especially my wifey. Um, she's been my biggest helper. <laughs> but the biggest contributors to my journey were the hard, good, daily choices that I made along the way, which were actually really not hard at all. He who has forgiven much loves much. And I've been forgiven much, but we love him because he first loved us. If you had to ask me what the biggest single factor is that keeps me on my journey of discipleship, of following Jesus, I would say that it's this thing of knowing and being sure of this, that I'm also his treasure, that I'm also his pearl of great price, and that he sold everything and he gave up everything to purchase me, to ransom me. What else can my response be to so great a love other than to continue to choose Jesus, the lover of my soul, above all else every day of my life into eternity? Because He is my Lord and He is my very great, my great reward. And it's Jesus. It's all about Him. And everything else, the second, third, fourth, fifth, but He is number one. Amen. So um, I just want to close with a scripture. Um, and yeah, so Ash, can you put that up on the overhead, please? Um, it's from Ephesians 2. Verse 17 to 19. And so, um, guys, would you mind standing? I just want to, I just want us to, I want us to read the scripture together as, as we close. And, but what I'd like to do with the scripture, if you don't mind, is, um, I want us to personalize it. Uh, I, I want, like Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, no, may give me the spirit of wisdom and reason so that I may know him better. Can we do that? I want to just personalize this for each one of us today, including myself. And so in asking for God to re-envision us today, to say, give us fresh vision, fresh passion. And, and it says, if we ask, we receive. And if we knock, He will open the door. And I really felt this year of 2018 was going to be a year of re-envisioning. And I felt that today was going to be the... Uh, it's already started, but today would be a really good kickoff for, for re-envisioning. So, can we just read that, that scripture? Can we, can we read it together, please? I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ... The glorious Father 
may give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I may know him better. I pray that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened in order that I may know the hope to which he has called me, the glorious riches of his glorious in his, in his holy people and his incomparably great power for me who believe. That power is the same as his mighty strength. Okay, we can stop there. Um, so, guys, so let's just pray right now and say, Father God, thank you. We, we love you, Jesus, with, with all our hearts. And, and Lord, we, 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 we want to be burning hot for you. We want to be passionate for you. And we ask you right now, Lord, that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just fall on us afresh this morning. Enlighten our hearts. Won't you just pour into our hearts the power of your love. We know the power of your love afresh this year. Know that you love us, Lord, so much. I pray that you pour into our hearts uh, your heart for your people and for the lost. I pray that you give us fresh revelation, Lord, of the glory of your kingdom, of our glorious inheritance that we have with you. And that, Lord, there's nothing that can compare to what you have for us. There's nothing that can compare to the kingdom of God. And, Lord, that you have chosen to leave your throne, to leave your majesty, to come down, to be born as a son of man, to die for us, but not just to die for us, Lord, but to go to the depths of hell for us, Lord, so that we would never have to go to hell. You're the first and the last that went to hell. The first and the last of the newborn of creation. And you went to hell, Lord, just to think that the Son of God went to hell so that we would never have to experience hell. That is the depth of your love for us, Jesus. From the highest to the lowest, Lord. All for us. Give us that revelation, Lord, of the power How much do you love us, God? How much are you for us? Thank you, Lord. Just pour fresh revelation into our hearts, Lord God, through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.